Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. chapter number four, Ephesians chapter number four, and uh, we're going to read several verses. I may skip around and not read them all, but I, I want to read a few of these for sure. Paul said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body one spirit even as you're called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all if you would just jump to verse 11 and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ, that ye henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slay of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that every joint supply, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Tonight, I want to just teach on the church connection. Everybody say the church connection. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We praise you, Lord, today for this time. God, I pray, Lord, that you would move upon those, Lord, that are not able to be here tonight. God, there are some that are sick. Lord, I pray, God, that you would touch their bodies. Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, to move upon our our. our, our Folks that are here tonight with the word, bless those that are watching online. Let there be, dear God, a ministry that goes forth. We're honored, Lord, to serve our gift today. Let it be a pleasing gift to you. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated. The church connection. I love the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's more than brick and mortar. It's more than wood and stone. That's a building. The church is you. It's me. It's people. There's no other institution like the church. No other organization like the church. Even church organizations aren't like the church. I'm going to let that sink in just for a minute. There's no other movement, no other business that can compare to the church. The church is simply the people of God. 1 Peter 2 and 10, 
which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God. We're the people of God. We're the people of God. There's many descriptive terms to convey the idea of the people of God or the church in in the Bible. We find that we are known as the assembly of the upright. The assembly of the upright. The body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church of God, the church of the living God, the church of the firstborn, the church of uh, 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 the living God, the church, uh, or rather the city of the living God, congregation of saints, flock of God, fold of Christ, general assembly of the uh, church of the firstborn, the golden candlestick, God's building, God's husbandry, God's, you know what, they ought to look at the Bible to get some good names for, for a church besides, you know, twig and and, 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 and branch, and I'm just teasing, I, really I am. A habitation of God, heavenly Jerusalem, new Jerusalem, holy city, holy mountain, holy hill, house of God, house of Christ, household of God, lamb's wife, Mount Zion, pillar and ground of the truth, sanctuary of God, spiritual house or temple of the living God. These are all synonymous terms for church. It's real easy to focus on what is wrong with the church. I heard this analogy the other day. Nobody catches health. But people catch sickness because it's contagious. You have to work at health. Amen. And in a church, sometimes it is easy to see the sickness. It's easy to point out the issues or the problems or are in general with the church right now. You know, every pastor's messing up. Every saint messing up. Marriage is going this and this and all that. And but I, I, I'd like for a little while today to talk about what's right with the church. I need the church. I need the church of the living God. Amen. Let's talk about the church as being the family of God. You look at Scripture and you'll find that we're called the sons and daughters of God. We are called the children of God, members of the household of God, members of the household of faith. We find in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We're part of the family. Somebody comes in the door and you start saying, well, this one, this one is related to that one, and this one's related to this one. And you know what? It takes you a little while. Grace is just going to take you a little bit to learn all the families here at MPC. Amen. Isn't that right, Audrey? That's right. It just takes a while. But the bottom line is that we're all related. That's why we say brother. We say brother. It's not just a term we throw around. We're related. We're related, brother and sister. Amen. We're a part of the family of God. It is the church connection. One way I think that that people tend to have an attitude towards church by how they see the church, what what, what kind of purpose they see the church as. And, And I've broken it down like this before, but let me share with you again. You can either see the church like a family dinner or like eating at a restaurant. You can come to church and, and look at it like this is family dinner, or you can look like I'm going to a restaurant. When you go to church like a restaurant, you often can look at the ministries of the church like a menu. 
So you can pick and choose what one you like. When you go to church like a restaurant, you can leave like a restaurant and you get up, leave your mess, fold your napkin, and walk away. They don't ask you to pick up your plate. They don't ask you to go rinse it out or even wash it. You know, somebody else is going to clean those messy dishes when you go to a church like a restaurant. People who eat at restaurants can complain about the decor, complain about the worn carpet, the stained seats, and still eat there. No need to fix the problem because I'm eating and leaving. Oh, y'all, 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 y'all catching me, aren't you? People who eat at restaurants go and come to that restaurant as they please. The meal may be good, but they can take it or leave it. If you don't like the service or the food, you can complain and gripe, or you can just get up and leave. How many times have y'all heard the old cliche, well, I'm just not getting fed here. So I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm just not getting fed here. You know, you can do that when you have a restaurant mentality when it comes to church. Like I'm just going to pull up and I just don't like this because, quite frankly, there's some restaurants I've gone to one time and didn't go back because their food was nasty. But it's amazing how that there's some folks, when it comes to the things of God, they, 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 they view church like eating at a restaurant, that there's no need to have a relationship with the waiter. You don't care who the waiter is, just do your job. Uh, uh, there's no reason, reason to have a relationship with the chef. You know, just cook it good for me. There's no rele- reason to have a relationship with the folks that clean the table. Because you eat and get up and leave. I can't tell you who, who the last time I had at a restaurant what the waiter or waitress's name is. Because I'm eating. I'm not there to build a relationship. That's what it's like when you go to church like a restaurant. You can show up late, and they'll still give you a table. Uh, you have no idea what is going on in the kitchen. That's scary. That we often eat and we never look at what the rating is of their health examination. Come on, somebody. There's no connection to other people that's eating around you. You just come, sit down, eat, and leave. I mean, that's, that's sadly, that's the way a lot of people view church. I, I'm not here to build a relationship. I don't want to get to know anybody. I don't want to be a part of anything. Don't ask me to do anything. And I want to tell you, if y'all, if y'all get a, a little bit whatever edgy about this lesson, you caused me to do it because what you did over the weekend caused me to stop and say, I, I, I think I want to talk about this a little bit. I want to talk about the foundation of it because when you view church like a family dining Uh, experience, everybody's a part. It's an event. That's one thing I do love about having a family meal. I'm not talking about grabbing and going. I'm not talking about a microwave, throw in, cook, and you know, you get this and you get that. But that's something. I'm talking about a sit-down, prepared meal. Everybody, you look at it like an event. Hallelujah. I believe you ought to look at church Like coming, this is an event in my life. This is a part of me. Amen. Everyone serves at family. At least everybody should serve. Everybody should serve. (laughs) 
I learned real quick as a little boy. I complained one time about mama's cooking. I had no idea why, why would I ever complain about my mom. My mother was a good cook. I complained one time about my mother's cooking, and my dad said, just go to your room hungry. I didn't come back 30 minutes later and say, would you give me something? Oh, no, no, no. I went to bed hungry, and I realized the next time, if I didn't like it, I ate it and kept my mouth shut and said, mm, this is good. Because the difference is how you act with family compared to how you act with a restaurant. In family, everybody should help set the table. I'm preaching a whole lot more than y'all saying amen. In family, you pray, God bless the hands that prepared it because you know who fixed it. You know who fixed it because you built relationships. In family, you find a way to get involved. You're not waiting to ask. You pick up your plate. You carry your own plate back to the sink. Scrape your own plate out. Oh, man, this is deep. This is deep. This is deep. Amen. When it comes to dinner, I remember as a child, and it was dinner time. I hear my dad whistle. He could whistle, and I'd hear a block away. It was time to drop whatever, whatever ball I had in my hand was dropped. It's time to go home. I remember one time running. It's dinner time. It's dark, and I just take off running because I, I don't want to go back to the bed hungry again. You know those guide wires that go between the, the, the telephone pole and the ground? You know, that's before they put the yellow little reflector things on that. I'm running as hard as I can, and it catches me, and I do a whole backflip. Poof, 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 poof. I get up and run on anyway. I don't want to be late for supper. In family, you see a need, you feel a need. In family, dishes need washed. You know, my dad's favorite scripture quote to me, as he was as teaching me to wash a dish, the Bible says, son, as a man wa- washes a dish. I said, look it up. It's in the Bible. As a man washes a dish. <sighs> Amen. Family can be messy. Family takes work. You can go to a restaurant and leave it and never come back. But when you decide that you're going to make church family, commitment comes along with it. Sacrifice comes along with it. Faithfulness comes along with it. Because you realize you say brother and sister more than just a, a reason to, 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 to say a name. It's family. And so as family, we, we take on family terms. We, 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 we have likes and dislikes and we become long-suffering with, with one another and we serve one another and, and, and we act like that because we're a part of the church. It's really hard to complain about something when you're involved with it. Let me say that again. It's really hard to complain about things when you're involved with it. Praise God. All right. Thankfully, we'll go to point three. Let's talk about the church as a body. The Bible depicts the church as a body. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, 
and all the members of that one body being many are one, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are you baptized into one body, whether they be Jews or Gentiles, whether they be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many, many. And, and this, this is found several times throughout Scripture that the body of Christ is the church. And in the body of Christ, it reveals for us the concept of community. Many members, many parts, one body. Many members, multiplicity of gifts, people doing all kinds of things, one body in community. Every part of your body fulfills a function and has a purpose. Everyone is needed. Every part of the body is needed. It is in the community of the body that we discover that everyone has, every part of your body has value. Your little pinky has value. Just try to walk without it. Part of our body, it's valuable. Amen. Every person needs to come to understand that in community where we get the word come with and unity put together. In community, it is us being unified with a common purpose, with a common agenda, with a common vision, and a common mission. It is not my church. In the essence, it's because it's Pastor Gill's church or, or this is not Bishop Wall's church. This is the church of the living God. And he puts us all in different places so that we could function as a body. Together. Together. Everybody say together. The church is a body. And everybody has got to have a head. Everybody has to have a head. Because if you don't have a head, you're dead. You're dead. The Bible depicts the church as the body of Christ a community that is under development, and we find that that community in, in that body, the way that body functions is, gonna, is going to show how well it is, how healthy it is. Uh, uh, but a body cannot function without a head. When someone acts ridiculously crazy, what do we say? They done lost their head. They're thinking out of their head. Hmm? That's what they say. Well, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22 tells us, And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him, speaking of Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The common Greek term here for the phrase hath put under does not simply mean to be beneath, but to be totally under the power and authority and control of someone or something. When it says that he is the head and all things are under his feet, that means that every ministry, every part of the church, every function of the church has got to be under the headship of Jesus Christ. Amen. But here's something you need to know. Since all things are under his feet, and if I'm connected as a body with my head, then where are things under my feet? Hallelujah. If it's under his feet and I stay connected to him, then they're under my feet. If it's under his feet, then as a church, it's under our feet because I'm connected to him. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. 
the Bible says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Amen. That he might have the preeminence. We find that Paul said in Acts, he said, For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of our own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Amen. Everything that our body does is connected to this thing right here. It's connected to your head. Your head tells your body what to do, voluntarily and involuntarily. It's your head telling your heart to pump. It's your head that tells your stomach do your job. It's your head that tells your arm. It, it, you think about it before you be, before that hand moves. You're thinking it's coming from a command in the head. A body that does not respond to the head is paralyzed. That's why we need to be sensitive to the presence of Jesus Christ in our life and stay connected to His His leading, His moving, His speaking to us. Look, look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. He said, watch out for these silly doctrines, things that get out of whack, things that are out of order. Then verse 19 says, not holding the head. Praise God. Look at that. Head's capitalized there. Not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increased with the increase of, of God. The body cannot function without the head. The body is a must remain in constant contact with the head. Amen. So don't lose your connection to Jesus. Because deception comes when we lose our connection to Jesus. Paul warned, said, don't let any man beguile you of your reward. The Greek word for beguile describes a referee who excludes from competition any athlete who fails to follow the rules. Amen. Uh, 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 the Amplified Bible says it like this. Let no man defraud you by acting as an umpire and declaring you unworthy and disqualified for the prize, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels and, 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 and taking his stand on visions he claims. He has seen vainly puffed up by his sensuous notion, inflated by his unspiritual thoughts and fleshly conceit. Don't let anybody disqualify you, disqualify you. Hold your head. Stay connected to Jesus. The implication is very clear. People who don't stay connected to the headship and authority of Jesus Christ get off into mystical, crazy things. If you find somebody like that, that's one of the first signs that you can say they're not holding headship with Jesus Christ. They want to do their own thing. They want to do their own thing. Praise God. Let's go to number five. Everybody say, together is one. Together is one. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, 
And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. The body is not one member, but many. Many members, yet one body. Everybody say, many members, one body. When you begin to see the church, it's not just this local assembly. It's not just about this local assembly as being the church because we are connected closely to each other, but we're also connected to churches all around the world. So many members, one body. The relationships of believers is powerful because of how we interact together, how we become unified, how that even without prodding, it happens. Even without preaching and And legislating, it happens. When people stay connected to their head, then they can't stay connected to their body. When you stay in close proximity with the Lord, then you also will stay in close proximity with your brother or your sister. The reason that a lot of people get all upset at church, they get aggravated and and get out of sorts and because somewhere they hadn't gone to an altar and prayed through themselves. I have found many times that my thoughts about somebody, my upset, being upset about somebody come to an end when I went to an altar and got closer to my head. Got to get closer to your head. Hallelujah. And if we get close to him, then we get close to one another. The Bible said we've been planted together in the likeness of his death. We're also going to be raised in the likeness of his resurrection. We've been planted together. God hath quickened us together with Christ and and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places. Amen. The Bible said that we shall be called up together. Hallelujah. That we're to edify one another with the words and encourage one another. One of these days we're going to be called up together. Hallelujah. The psalmist said in 50 and 5, Gather my saints together unto me and those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Let us join together. Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. The Bible said they went up together, together at the hour of prayer. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 of the early church, Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. That's more than just being together. That is, there's unity in that. Uh, hallelujah. There's union, unity in that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Uh, there's something powerful about a church that says, you know what, we're going to talk the same talk when it comes to vision and agenda and when it comes to mission and when it comes to, this is not about me getting a certain position or becoming that or becoming this. It's about me being a part of a unified together vision. Speaking the same thing. Speaking the same thing. I want to talk to you about, in point number six, I want to talk to you about the provision, the place, and purpose in community, the provision, the place, and purpose in community. Colossians chapter 2, verse 19, where he said, And not holding the head, which from all the body by joints, everybody say joints, and bands have nourishment, ministered and knit together, increased with the increase of God. Here's what you have to understand. What happened Sunday is that as you served alongside your brother or sister, 
you were feeding one another. There was something spiritual happening. Okay? What happens is that in the body, when we begin to work together as one, there are nourishment that is supplied from one joint to another to another to another, so the whole body is being taken care of. Nourishment speaks of what is essential to life, to health, to growth, to sustain that life. Amen. Abundant life flows from our head to the body and then from the different parts of that body to other parts of that body. When God blesses you and God touches you and God speaks to you and you keep your spirit right about it, you're going to bless somebody else. You're going to touch somebody else. They're going to be encouraged by your testimony. They're going to be encouraged by your life. We're connected. Amen. And so there is provisions. There is nourishment that comes from one to another if you stay connected. I have seen it over and over again. A person can get whatever happens in their life that they get away from God, that they quit going to church, that they get further and further, whether it's a health issue and before long, it's just simply, I don't think I'm going to go back. But what happens is that they shut off the connection of nourishment, and then they become anemic in their faith, become weak in their faith. You get faith and nourishment from the the body of Christ, hanging out with God's people, being with God's people, not just in this setting, but any kind of setting with God's people. That's why we go to conferences and we have camps and we have uh, conventions and we've got revivals and, and we've got things coming and going because we want to be fed one from another. Hallelujah. So the nourishment or the provision that is in the body comes from connecting one with another. There is also a place for you in community. We are knit together with joints and bands in the body. The writer said back in our original text, Ephesians 4 and 16, from whence the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that every joint supplied according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. What a beautiful picture of the connection in church in the body. There is a principle is that if I'll stay in my place, If I will find my place, I'm going to get fed. So when somebody says, I'm just not getting fed anymore, really what they're saying is that I'm disconnected. I'm out of place. I'm not where I should be. I'm not in the place because, quite frankly, if you're connected, it's not just about what comes across from the pulpit. It's what comes across from your brother and sister. It's, it's our 10 minutes of fellowship on Tuesday night. It is our, our eating together. It is going out and hanging out with your brothers in Christ and your sisters in Christ. Amen. It's ladies' Bible study. It's, a, it's all these things that go together to help bring nourishment to you. Amen. I want to tell you, have you ever been encouraged by a brother or a sister? Have you ever been around somebody and you your faith begin to be built up it's the body doing its job everybody has a place somewhere in the body of Christ everybody has a place where they can add value The phrase fitly joined together that we find here comes from the Greek word 
Matter of fact, two Greek words, which is first soon and harmaglio. I have no idea if that's how you pronounce it. I sure miss my brother. Do you know my brother Van was a master in Greek? He had his master's degree in Greek, and he was my go-to caller. I needed something. I don't have him that anymore. I miss him. All right. But according to the Greek Expositor's New New Testament Dictionary, this term represents the whole of the elaborate process by which stones are fit together. This process includes the preparation of the surface, the cutting, the rubbing, and the testing. The preparation of the dowels and the dowel holes. And finally, the fitting of the dowels into the molten lead. In short, it represents the careful joining of every component of a structure. Every part is precisely cut to fit snugly, strongly, beautifully with every other part. Nothing is out of place, defective, misshapen, or inappropriate. What happens is that if we will allow God, he will work on us. He'll cut us. He'll shape us. He'll, he'll work on our gifts, and our gifts are improved, and all of a sudden we, we, we begin to fit where we think, well, I don't fit, I don't fit, I don't fit. It may be that God's cutting you right now. Be patient. You're not fitting because you're not ready to fit. I'm going to say that again. Some people don't fit because they're not ready to fit. They have had some things that are, are got to be taken care of in their life. Praise the Lord. But God made the church to function in unity and harmony. He's the master builder, and he's the one that joins us together. Hallelujah. 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 He compacts us, and he knits us every joint to doing its job, having a generous supply that comes out of it. I thank the Lord today. So, so that is your place. And then the provision and community, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, the result of this connection, the result of the supply and the joints together is that it begins to work on you and on me to fulfill my purpose. My purpose. Anybody ever been to a symphony? If you've been to a symphony, it's, it's amazing. How many of you have ever seen the triangle guy? The whole orchestra is playing, and the, the violinist, and, the, and this one dude way back here over in the corner has got this one little part in the middle of the symphony, and he goes, ding. I don't know if you remember the commercial where the, the triangle guy goes crazy. I don't remember what it was about, but he jumps out in the front. He goes, you know, and he slides on his knees, and he's playing his. Dude, you just had one ding. (laughs) That's all you had was one ding, but it was your part. Just, just, just. The the purpose of, of us joining together is not just nourishment. It's so that we find our purpose into what God has for us. It is the working. Everybody say the working. The working. He's still working on me, and he uses you to do it. Mm -hmm. Let's go to 
point number seven, the goal and the motive in community. The goal and the motive in community. Back again to Ephesians 4 and 16. We talked about the joints fitly joined together, compacted, every joint supply and nourishment, the working of it. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The goal of community is growth. The goal of community is growth. Every one of us ought to be growing. Growing closer to the Lord, becoming better people, becoming closer to God in our prayer life, closer to God in our worship, amen, doing the things that help us mature. That's the whole part of, that's why if God didn't want us to grow, he just want us to be saved and just exist, then he would save us and zap us. But he keeps us here so we would be connected for growth, connected for growth. I'm a better person because of you. You're a better person because of the person around you and the person near you. You're a better person today because you're part of a local assembly. And that is the goal of connection. Grow. Got to get better. I want to be a better person. I want to do my part better. I want to be what God has called me. I want to do, and if I can't find my place, then chisel away on me, oh Lord, until I do find my place. Then he says, the motive of community in the last phrase is increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The whole motive is love. The whole motive of connection is love. The whole motive of staying connected with the church and being near one another and, and drawing from one another is love. What you saw Sunday was this message in practice. We may not always get it exactly right, but it's okay. I hope it's okay as your pastor to point it out and say on that weekend, we did. So much deeper than just the moment. It is understanding the motive of community is love. Can I just simply say that that love must continue to be outpoured on family and upon each other. Increase the body with the edifying of itself in love. 1 John 3, 10. In this the children of God are manifested in the children of the devil. Whoso doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message which you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. You know the distinction between the children of God and the children of devil by love. I have uh, on an occasion read something on Facebook where there was a discussion between church people not unsaved and saved, but church people. And when I got through with it, I needed a shower. Peter said, love the brotherhood. 
John went on to say in 1 John 4 and 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. I want to tell you, not everybody you see on the platform, matter of fact, all of us, are imperfect people. People who are in leadership that you see are imperfect. People that you don't see are imperfect. But the great common denominator is love, love. Love. I want, I want to love them through it. I want to love them in it. I'm going to love them back to, to where, you know, I want you to know that I love you. I might get aggravated at you, and we might get a little upset at one another, but the bottom line is that that's why some of you are still married today is because you've come to the realization that you love through. You love in. You love while. You love before, and you love after, whatever you're dealing with. The motive for all of this is love. I, love, I, I, I come across this from Warren Wearsby, who wrote, Love is the circulatory system of the body. It has been discovered that isolated, unloved babies do not grow properly and are especially susceptible to disease, while babies who are loved and handled grow normally and are stronger. So it is with the children of God. An isolated Christian cannot minister to others, nor can others minister to him. And it is impossible for the gifts to be ministered either way. So then, spiritual unity is not something we manufacture. It is something we already have in Christ, and we must protect it and maintain it. Truth unites, lies divide. Love unites, selfishness divides. Therefore, speaking the truth in love, let us equip one another and edify one another, and all of us then grow up to be more like Christ, he concludes. I want to tell you that is, that, that is so powerful. There are some people, I love them dearly, but you can't reach them because they have disconnected themselves from the body. And only when there's a reconnection, can there be true ministry? The prodigal had to go home before he got the fatted calf. One scripture that I wanted to remind you of is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 24. <coughs> I, 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 I like how Paul writes this in the King James. For our comely parts have no need. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given a more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another, whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. No one member be honored all the members, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, the members in particular. Let me read from the message Bible paraphrase. Going back a few verses before this, but he says, he says it like this. But I also want to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. Talking about the body. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a giant hand wouldn't be a body. It'd be a monster. 
What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine an eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you? Or a head telling a foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out? As a matter of fact, he goes on to paraphrase. In practice, it works the other way. The lower part, listen to this, the lower part and the more basic, therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it is part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is, without comparison. If anything, you are more concerned with the lower parts than the higher parts. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer a good digestion to a full-bodied hair? But what we do is we want to give honor. Man, I'm preaching now. <laughs> Let me wipe this full-bodied hair. The point here that Paul is making is that we often put so much honor on something that sometimes doesn't necessarily need all that much honor. Put all that honor on the face. Well, it would be good if your heart beats good. Yeah. Well, I want to make sure that I look a certain way. Well, make sure you can walk. I want to put emphasis on the body is that every part matters. Every part matters, not just pastor, not just MPC leadership. Every part matters. Everyone matters. Everyone matters. Hallelujah. And, and some, some of you need to square your shoulders and say, I might just be sitting on this pew, but I matter. I'm important to the intricate part of this church. You may never see me up front, and I may never be shining, but I want to tell you, I matter. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. I might be hidden underneath clothes, or I might be hidden in the body it might be an internal organ but I I believe that that's so important I can't live without it can't live without it would you stand with me please I'm gonna leave you with one scripture can I say this to our church that continue we continue to mourn loss. We continue to be heartbroken. We continue to grieve. We should. However you choose to do that, do it. But I want to remind you what Jesus said. He said in Matthew 16 and 20, uh, Matthew 16 and 18, he said to Peter, Thou art Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we've preached that and we've said it from all different ways and applied it in many different ways, and it's okay. But the little rending here is the grave. Hell here is the grave. Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the grave, death, is not going to stop it. We have watched this as... Numerous of our saints have gone on to be with the Lord. Hallelujah. But the church goes on. It goes on. Death, 
did not stop Jesus. He rose again. Hallelujah. Neither is death going to stop the church. He's given us that assurance. No matter what, there's somebody going to step up. Somebody continues on. Hallelujah. Until the day the whole body is unified forever and ever in glory together. What a day that will be, saints. What a day that will be. What a day will Hallelujah. How many remember Sister Deb Gray? Remember Sister Deb? Sister Deb was probably one of the persons that people would overlook. But I want to tell you, every time I came here, there was a pie from Sister Deb. When I was dating my lovely wife-to-be, there's a pie from Sister Deb. But all the time she was doing stuff for Brother Walls and coming and bringing him things. You might have thought that Sister Deb was just a, a, you know, a lady that never got married. and never. Met. But I want to tell you what, uh, there are those who are part of the body that matter. Matter. And you matter. In the name of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you today thanking you for the church connection. Thanking you, Lord Jesus, for the body that is connected together in so many ways. And God, we don't always get it right. And Lord, tomorrow we may not always get it right. But Lord Jesus, help us to remember to stay connected. To stay connected. Lord, to let each other know that we're valuable, Lord, to one another. And that we are not alone. That we're not by ourselves. God, we're part of the body. And I thank you for that precious truth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Set